Welcome, Bears fans, to another edition of Bears Scat. I'm Thomas. I'm Jim. And we're two jamokes who are riding the Justin Fields bus. <laughs> Just like every other Bears fan. Heck yeah. I think everybody is really enjoying this. Uh, it's so nice to see a, uh, a big change in uh, the offense, uh, getting excited about it for once. Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, that loss on Sunday sucked in the moment, but it did. You're over it after five minutes because I was. The Bears have their quarterback. They're still they do. They're still scoring their thirty points a game. They are, and the results of these games are just kind of immaterial to that at the moment. I don't, don't care. I was going to make that exact same point. It's just. <laughs> Would I rather have them win than lose? Sure, but the fact that they're losing right now is not really affecting the way I enjoy these games at all because <laughs> they're they're losing basically by design. And that's one of the things that I wanted to talk about is that going into this year, we, we all knew that the Bears kind of stripped their roster down. They didn't invest money in free agents. <laughs> they didn't have any first-round picks. Like a car on blocks. They, they traded away a couple of good players that were on the team. And when a team is tanking, it's not necessarily that you lose every game by 30 points, right? I mean, these are all still NFL players, and games are going to be close. But when you get rid of the talent on your roster, and you're playing with a roster like the Bears have right now, it just means that... You know, you kind of have to be perfect to win a game. And when things don't go your way, whether it's crappy officiating or whether it's turnovers or whether it's the other team getting a lucky bounce here or there, typically you just lose those games when you're less talented than the other team. Now, the Bears have an awesome quarterback, and that makes up for a lot, and that's why they're in all of these games. But it's kind of funny because the Bears have been really fun and i've been enjoying watching all of these games and i have had a lot of fun this season and you look down and they're three and seven yeah and, you know the it's it, but you're right and it's fun it is it's really fun. I'm, I'm pumped for various falcons i mean uh the um the the bar has actually had really good business uh the last uh few weeks um uh simply because people want to come out and get the camaraderie and the juice of the of the mass and just a ton of navy and orange in there. They want to watch this kid play, and they want to watch the kid, you know. And and that's the thing is, since the beginning of the season, that's what we've been talking about is watching him because really that's all this season is about is a, an evaluation of something that was a lot of resource and we needed to see. Yes, this is what we need to work with. I I don't think there's a person out there that doesn't feel that that's the case. That he is number one, uh, and that he will be number one for hopefully for a very long time. But that's that is a huge weight off of our collective soldier uh, shoulders. That at soldier, <laughs> you will. You will not have to wonder who's going to trot out to be behind center. Yeah, absolutely. The entire next eight months leading into next season are now going to be centered around building up the team around the quarterback. 
you don't have to find the quarterback anymore, and you just can't understate how important that is because when you have that guy at quarterback, then chances are you can figure the rest out, and when you don't have that guy, then no matter what you do with the rest of the roster, you've got a, <laughs> you've, you've got a glass ceiling. I mean, that's what happened with the Matt Nagy era. The Bears had a Super Bowl roster, in my opinion, at least. Yeah. But they could only go so far because the quarterback was terrible. And it's it's just funny when you think about the record because Bears are three and seven. They're they're tied for last in the NFC. I think that if the season ended today, I think they'd be picking sixth. Yeah, that sounds right. But like I said, I mean, I'm really really excited for the, for these games still. And I, I I was laughing because. They were three and seven last year after ten games, and you know what the eleventh game of the year last year was? It was Bears Lions on Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh yeah! And oh my god! Remember how much we were just dreading watching that game because we knew it was just going to be miserable. It's such an opposite vibe this year, and it won't be that way forever. Trust me, if the Bears are three and seven next year, we're going to be having a whole lot of problems with Ryan Poles and with Matt Eberflus and with everybody else because. Right. When you have the quarterback, you can't waste that. And next year, I'm not letting the Bears off the hook. They they need to be competing to be in the playoffs. Absolutely. And they need to be competing to do real things in the playoffs. They shouldn't be sneaking into the seventh seed and losing in the first round. They should be in contention to win the division. And people should be talking about the Bears as a team that should be uh, able to make it through the playoffs and potentially win the NFC. There's a million reasons why that might not happen. Yep. Winning the Super Bowl is really hard, but they need to be in the conversation starting next year. But absolutely, for now, with this roster and what they've invested in it, this is about as much. Actually, this is way more than I ever would have expected. I would have enjoyed this season after ten games so far, even though they are three and seven. Well, the um, you know one of the first things that you can look at is polls saying. Uh, Look, I'm looking to 2023. I'm looking to 2024. He he said that right out the gate. So far, if you chart the things that he has that he was talking about before this before the season even started, he is moving on the timeline that he said he was going yeah. to. Again, we've said it before and we'll say it again. This guy comes out and talks about what he wants to do as action items, whereas the last guy just talked. Yeah. You know, actually, he didn't even do that. He, he, he avoided giving action <laughs> he items. He avoided giving action items, and he avoided talking, too. So, uh, you know, so the thing is, is that, uh, Captain, <laughs> Captain Crack in the door. So, anyway, uh, you know, the, that's the thing is, is that what we have to look forward to is, uh, Poles is making it very clear, this is my guy, I am going to build around him. I think everybody alluded to that uh, just with the Claypool uh, acquisition. Just we need to stop on that Claypool acquisition just for a minute because <laughs> people are already freaking out because he's only, he played less snaps oh, uh, in his second game than he did in his first. He just got with the team. I mean, he's been there for like fourteen days or something. You know, I mean, so you know. We we have to integrate him. the The thing is, is that the passing game is working the way that Fields and Komet and Mooney have practiced it. 
they have been practicing this for six months. Yeah. You know, so they, we all were, you know, there was a collective huge scoff the first two weeks of the season because everybody was like, hey, they said that they had gotten on the same page and there was chemistry there. Well, you know what? Claypool is doing one thing, and that's when he's getting out there, he is a giant distraction. He is a six-foot distraction, six-foot-four distraction out there that allows our other guys who aren't that distraction to get open. Yeah, and like you said, it's just going to take time. People freaked out because he played less in his second game than he did in his first. It was like, you know what? In his first game, they had some very targeted plays for him. They drew up plays to get him involved and to get him on the field. And now they're actually trying to get him integrated into the overall offense. Like you said, it's not going to happen overnight. So people just need to calm down a little bit with that. I think you'll see more and more from him as the season goes on. But I, where the real chemistry is going to be built is in the off season. So yeah. I, I'm not going to worry too much about what he does for the rest of the year. It'll obviously be a lot more exciting if he is in there and making big plays but as long as he's not looking incompetent over the last seven games of the year I'm not gonna really freak out about it because I think that he's gonna have a lot of work this offseason to really learn the offense and uh, build chemistry with uh, fields um, I, I'm just in, in general really interested to see what direction they go with this offseason because they've got a lot of resources they've got a ton of cap room they've got their draft picks likely they're going to have a pick in the top 10 i think that that's you know looking better and better i guess Excellent. yeah i mean a couple of weeks ago i would have said hey you know maybe they're going to be kind of in the middle of the pack but you lose to detroit <laughs> you, you lose to you know you, you lose some of the other games they've lost it, it seems more and more likely they're going to have a really nice draft pick and we'll see if they actually use that or if they trade down but um there's still plenty of holes on this roster. I mean, the defense is just brutal. Yep. That's the reason they're losing these games is because they can't stop anybody. You still probably want more wide receivers. You probably still want to invest in your offensive line. So there's no shortage of openings on this team for polls to prioritize. And I'm just going to be really interested to see what direction they go. Like, what, hey, what he thinks is really We are important. set at punter. Yeah, that's true. And kicker. Even though <laughs> they missed an extra point this week. And that's another reason why they lost. But, and special teams has been... For shit. Oh, it's been awful. But <laughs> when your roster's awful, then your special teams is awful because that the, the players that are playing on special teams are on the bottom part of your roster. And when the top of your roster is bad, then that yeah. means the players at the bottom are even worse. Yeah. So, you know, um, it, you're right. Uh, getting to the offseason is going to be exciting. Um, with the game, I wasn't disappointed at all. Uh, I mean, maybe for five minutes after the game. Yeah. But really, my disappointment was completely about the officiating, which was absolutely horrid for the second week in a row. Yeah. I didn't think it could be worse than the Miami game, but it somehow was. Um, you know, I, I got over it pretty quickly because uh, it, it just in general, officiating is terrible across the league. Yep. Um, I mean, it's not just the Bears. It's, a, it's awful across the league. And... What it is, is that the owners have to step up and say, we're tired of this. We're tired of these incredibly expensive franchises that we have, these games getting decided by you guys. Right. That, that's, it's horse crap. It is, it is not 
sustainable, nor should it be. And they have to start being held accountable. You know, I don't know. I don't know exactly what the system is that they do, but whatever the system is, it's crap. It's not good enough. They have to be held more accountable for the calls that they're making. And, uh, you know, the the one, uh, of course, that stuck out was the hands to the face that wiped out in a really important interception by our new favorite middle (laughs) linebacker, Jack Sanborn. He was making some plays. I, I agree with the officiating. I don't typically like to complain too much about the officiating because, like you said, it's it's always bad. And, hey, Jack, can we call you Sandy? And the good teams play over it. But, yeah, it was it was really bad on Sunday. And, yeah, I don't know what the right answer is, but like you said, I mean, number one, I mean, when you introduce just the legalized gambling into all this, I mean, yeah. there's, there's more money on these games than ever before. More, more money. And the NFL, just what they've done to just build parity around the league i mean these games are closer than ever like there's a record number of games this year getting decided by less than a touchdown yeah so like just the officiating and just the obvious misses of calls is is just really unacceptable i don't know if the nfl is gonna do anything about it because no matter what happens i mean the bears have gotten screwed two weekends in a row now yeah and we're all gonna be sitting there watching bears falcons again this week so People aren't going to stop watching, I don't think, but it, it nope. is it, it really sucks just to see these games get so heavily influenced by the officials. And this week was official was was particularly terrible because it felt like just every call went against the Bears. Mm-hmm. And so many of them were just ticky-tack. I mean, I, I'm always and, and the reason that I think this is so hard to fix is because you could call holding or illegal hands to the face on literally every play. Right, like by the letter of the law, those penalties happen on literally every play. Um, so I, I wish the referees would let the players decide the game, unless there's a egregious penalty. Right, but just the amount of just ticky tack calls that were going against the Bears was was really frustrating, especially on, on the Sanborn play because it was a really nice interception by the kid. It was, and I don't even know what they could have been looking at to cut, throw that flag on Johnson. And so I mean. You know, I, I saw, um, I'm assuming in a, a Detroit fan, uh, uh, talking, uh, it, there was a, a lot of hubbub on Twitter about the about the officiating of the game and, you know, oh, they robbed the game from us and this and that. So, you know, one thing I always have looked at with penalties is that at the same time, um, you know, it's... It, it, to me, it is terrible when the zebras take away uh, take away opportunities to win the game. But at the same time, there also has to be execution, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of different things that you can point to as as to why there is a win or a loss. But and as this Detroit fan was calling, it said, "Oh, well, they also missed a uh, a holding call and." Uh, an illegal formation or something like that, right? And so people were barking back in them. But when you have a call that is as op- as in the open as that hands-to-the-face call was and as clearly wrong as that was, yeah. there is a greater issue there. It's, I mean, it's not just how bad how significantly it affected the game, which it was very significant. But the fact that it was out in the open of everything, and when you looked at the replay, it was like, 
This is completely wrong. There is nothing right about this call. That's the kind of stuff that I get that it's a judgment call and it's happening uh, in real time. That's what you have replay for. And I'm, I'm, I'm sick of people talking about the one year that they tried to run replay uh, for pass interference because the as, as far as I'm concerned and the way I see it, the Zebras made sure that didn't work. Right. They had no interest in it working, and they made no effort. Man, they might have even sabotaged it to make sure. I think, I mean, it's pretty obvious they did. I think when they were reviewing pass interference, it was something like less than 1% of the calls were actually overturned. Yeah. Like, come on. Yeah, like that's we, not realistic. Yeah, we we know that these calls get messed up. And and uh, and uh, Putin got voted in with ninety eight percent of the vote. <laughs> so yeah. it's 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 frustrating. I don't know what the solution is, but like you said, I mean, with the amount of money that the NFL makes and the amount of money that gets spent slash gambled on these games, like you'd like to think there's a way to make it a little bit better and. No matter what happened this week, I mean, nothing was worse this week than the, the Claypool pass interference yeah. that was missed two weeks ago. So, I mean, two weeks in a row, the calls just have not gone the Bears' way. And, like, they teach you at every level of sports. You don't blame the officials. You can always play over it. But, man, I mean, when you're, when you're talking about professional sports that the margin of error is so slim as it is. And Very slim. These are the elite athletes of the world. It just sucks to see games so heavily influenced. But... You know, what do we do? We move on, and like I said, I mean, we're all going to be sitting there watching the game on, on Sunday. So. Well, and you know, uh, I mentioned the owners. Uh, at the same time, they also love the fact that the games go that close because that means that everybody stays tuned in all the way to the very end. Yeah, nobody's leaving early. Nobody's leaving early, so they're getting maximum profits out of it. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm also... You know, take the comments with a grain of salt because no, nothing's going to change anytime soon. But it would still be realistic to see him implement some kind of, uh, you know, some kind of scale or something. I don't know. I mean, it's been brutal all year, and it's been brutal in very, very nationally spotlighted games. So I don't know. Maybe that'll. But I mean. The, the the NFC Championship game three years ago literally turned on a blown pass interference call. Right. So if that doesn't make them make some changes, I don't know what will. But you hope it does because I, I everybody loves these games and nobody wants to see any NFL game get determined by officiating. And I'm not saying that this game did because the Bears still threw an awful pick six. The Bears still missed an extra point, the Bears still let the terrible Detroit Lions march down the field on them time and time again, yep. but uh, the officiating was obviously slanted in, in the Lions' direction too, and it sucks that that's a story, because I, I would much rather just be talking about the players themselves. So, And that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So, <laughs> while we're talking about Jalen Johnson, I mean, he, he's obviously injured. I mean, he, he had a really rough game, and I, I really like him. I think he's going to be a, a building block. Um, I think that he'll probably get a big extension this offseason. And we also, have to, we also have to mention, again, Jack Sanborn. <laughs> yeah, he was good. I mean, really, that was, that was a pretty amazing coming out as a rookie. I 
think that he has earned playing time. Yeah. I, I don't know that he'll be the starting linebacker on the team when the defense is hopefully good again, but he's probably going to be on the team. He, he yeah. looks like he can at least hang around an NFL roster, so I guess when you can find that in a undrafted player, then... I mean, heck, he's on the field more than a lot of the players the Bears did draft last year. So. Yep. And um, uh, shout out to uh, Cole Kmet. Yeah, man. I, you know the the thing is uh, with um, part of this part of the surge uh, in in offense is certainly coming from Getze. Um, he's learning how to use his tools better, uh, and. Um, I, I don't think it's a coincidence either that Claypool comes and Komet has three touchdowns in the next two games. No. Um, that last one, uh, did he have a guy within 15 yards of him? That looked like the old Jordy Nelson play against the Bears. <laughs> where he's just allowed, wow, good call. Where he's just allowed to be that wide open and nobody's allowed to touch him. <laughs> I mean, how many times do we want to kick the TV? Like, how can he be that open? It's like, yeah, who let Jordy Nelson turn invisible again and just end up in the end zone? Yeah, so um, uh, definitely those three, uh, I uh, I thought, you know, really, really shined. And uh, it's great to see uh, any time when um, uh, the next man up comes in and, and just absolutely... Uh, kills it. So, well, and, and we're getting to the point too of the season where I mean the season's pretty much over now. I mean three and seven, you're not coming back from that. So right. It, it's getting to the point where you're really trying to evaluate like, all right, who's going to be a part of this next year? So it's definitely you know especially now that we got the quarterback figured out, right? It's like all right, we have to turn over a large portion of this roster still. Who is going to be here? So right. we've got guys like Sanborn out there making plays. I mean. I don't think he's the middle linebacker of the future, but if he can be a solid backup I, linebacker slash special teams guy, then that's a great find when you're talking about undrafted players. It, it depends, right? Because the thing is, is that, um, you know, in in, uh, in Flus's defense um, slash Allen Williams' defense, you know, he's not the prime guy anyway. You know, the off-linebacker, uh, the off-ball guy is, right? Mm-hmm. And so... The thing is, is that that's the spot they will really be looking to fill with somebody with good size, good length, and uh, sideline to sideline speed. That's like your, yeah. But, but I'll tell you what, um, Sanborn came out and certainly made a statement. I mean, anytime a linebacker comes out in any game and gets 12 tackles, uh, two sacks and an interception because yeah. he got the interception. It wasn't his fault. It was called. Back. It wasn't influenced by the hands to the. Face. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was a great pick. He watched him the whole way. Uh, yeah, so, it's not even like Jared Goff threw it right to him. No, know? I mean he 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 made a great play on the ball. So he de- he deserves big kudos. Um, okay, so uh, we're um, uh, you want to move on to. Uh, the next thing is... Well, I, know, I know you had something you wanted to do yeah. with Fields, so you want to do that? So, um, I I wanted to... Fields is obviously playing at a completely different level. Um, I think in Jim and I's opinion, he's playing among the best in the NFL right now. Yeah, there's no debate about that. And uh, so I wanted to look at the numbers. Uh, and so I went and added up the numbers for the last four games. And I decided to compare them with Kirk Cousins and Jalen Hurts, specifically because those two guys are the quarterbacks of the two 
uh, of the two teams with the best records in the NFL right now. So the last four games, you said? Yeah, so okay. I so I I put together the last four games. So this is how it this is how it goes. So Fierce Fields numbers, sixty four point one percent passing uh, in his last four games. You got to remember that's from uh, at the beginning of the season he was around fifty six. So that's an eight point jump. That's pretty big. Um, eight touchdowns versus two picks. Uh, he's been sacked thirteen times. 6.7 yards per attempt. That's not too bad. Needs to be a tick up uh, to be in that more elite, uh, that elite category. But still, um, that that's that's pretty solid. 50 carries for <laughs> 467 yards, 9.3 yards per attempt, and five touchdowns. Yeah, I mean that's unreal. That is sick. Uh, I mean, when I read those, I mean, I knew he was doing good. We all know he's doing good. But I was like, whoa, I didn't really, 9.3 yards per attempt on 50 carries? Are you kidding? Any running back in the NFL for would kill for those numbers. Um, and he does have five fumbles. So as far as turnovers, five fumbles, two interceptions. I think I already only lost two, we only lost two of the fumbles. But I count all of them. You know, it's still five fumbles. But so he's got seven turnovers versus 13 touchdowns and versus um, uh, 10, uh, 1,027, wait, 7, 8, 1,087 yards. Yeah. All-purpose yards. Just ridiculous. I mean, so, I mean, by any any scale, that's pretty damn good. Yeah, it's right? elite. I mean, when you, when you just think about the level of production, you know, rushing plus throwing, that's... Elite. There's absolutely no argument against that, and he's doing this with less than ideal circumstances because the line's bad and the receivers, for the most part, are bad. So yep. it's pretty impressive. I know you want to get to the comparison with the other two guys, but I think people rag on Fields a lot because so much of his production comes on the ground at the moment, and it's just like, that's what he's got to work with. Yeah. It's not like he's dealing with wide receivers that can go up and get the ball like one of the guys you're going to talk about, Kirk Cousins. He yeah. doesn't have Justin Jefferson. He's got to make things happen if, if the Bears are going to put up points and have chances to win the game. And for now, the best way for him to do that is with his legs. So I think people are using that as a knock when I think it's actually really just him doing what he has to do to keep his team in the game. And that's ultimately your job as the quarterback. Yeah, the the whole rushing quarterback thing is old hat. It doesn't exist anymore. There are there are so many guys who have great running ability in the NFL now uh, at quarterback. As far as I'm concerned, all the rest of them are on the train out of town. Yeah. You're the ones that are behind. You're the ones that are obsolete. We're the new crew. We're the future. And that's where it's going. It's not going to get less. The athletes that are coming out of college now, uh, you know, they're going through, uh, you know, this is the days of, um, well, you know, we'll just stick them out there with, you know, we'll run the wishbone. You know, (laughs) I mean, all that stuff is gone. It's all about passing. The the, the Tom Brady, like, we're going to drop back and scan the field and run through five progressions. I mean, that that's a bit of a thing of the past. I mean, now all of the young quarterbacks are mobile. They're all mobile. It's not going to change. I mean, look at the top of the draft this year when you talk about C.J. Stroud and uh, Bryce Young. I mean, it, it's it's 
kind of just a part of a modern quarterback is that they're going to get a lot of yards on the ground. Ideally, not as many as Fields has because you do still want more production to go through the air sure. because you don't want the quarterback exposed to as many hits. But right now, with what we're dealing with, he's doing what he can to put up points. And, I mean, the Bears are averaging 30 points a game, which I don't think they've done over a 4 it, it will even in a out, very long time. Right? It will even out. Next year, absolutely. Next year, more of his production will be through the air. Absolutely. Yeah, so um, so uh, on to uh, Kirk Cousins. Uh, Kirk Cousins, uh, oh, uh, Fields was uh, 59 of 92 for 64.1%. Um, so we go to Cousins, who is your pack, po- uh, pocket passer guy, right? Yep. And he, yeah, he has the best receiver in the NFL. Um, 90... 96 of 156 for 61.5%. How does he have a four point, three point lower percentage on catch percentage when he has far better offensive line, far better receiving crew? Doesn't make a whole lot of sense That's to me. That's got to just be more throwing, right? I mean, more, more throwing, yeah. more throwing, obviously. But still, um, if you're an elite quarterback, you're not throwing sixty. You're not making sixty-one percent, um, especially not with the best receiver in the NFL. Uh, but he does. He's got, got way more yards. One thousand twenty-nine passing yards, um, and he's thrown seven touchdowns uh, versus three picks. So he's thrown less touchdowns, passed for less touchdowns than Fields. How, how do you explain that? Fields has thrown eight, and Cousins has thrown seven. Cousins has thrown three picks. Fields has thrown two. Wait, what? I thought that Fields' only talent was running. Yeah. So uh, how do you do that when you have a, a superior line and a superior wide receiver group? And uh, really, really effective running back as well and yes the Vi- the Vi- when you when, when you take the vikings offensive weapons compared to the bears i mean it's not even close might, be ta- might as well be talking about high school versus college right <laughs> i mean it's just a different level so i mean yeah i'm, I'm actually pretty surprised that Co- cousins numbers are that poor but um I, I guess that's why a lot of people just don't really believe in the vikings even though i mean they they somehow do keep winning yeah so um again uh so Cousins, 12 sacks, uh, Fields, 13. Cousins, 6.6 yards per attempt. Fields, 6.7 yards per attempt. And then, you know, of course, we talked about the rushing for uh, Fields. Um, you know, uh, Cousins basically is has no... Um, he, has, he does have three fumbles, though, versus uh, Fields, five. Yeah, he's, he's not mobile. Um and then let's go to the MVP candidate. So Jalen Hurts, 72 of 106 for 67.9% um, uh, passing completions. That is elite. 858 uh, passing yards and 10 touchdowns versus only one pick. Now, that is elite passing. That's uh, I, I didn't compare his numbers versus the rest of the NFL, but that's got to be among the tops. I don't even need to look at the numbers to know that's among the top, right? 12 sacks um, and uh, 8.1 yards per attempt. 
on 106 attempts. That's good. That's very good. Uh, 26 carries for 88 yards, uh, which is only 3.3 yards per attempt, and one touchdown. But he still is a threat to run. Now, what this? one of the reasons I also wanted to bring up Hurts is because I personally, uh, I think Jim agrees with this, I see a lot of similarities in the two quarterbacks. They both came in as elite athletes. They both came in from big-time programs. They both were uh, amazingly accomplished when they're in college. They both struggled at the beginning. Hertz is in his third season and is really flourishing. This is what we can hope for for next year when he when Fields has real receivers to throw to a better offensive line. You got to remember these numbers for Hertz are with AJ Brown, who has turned out to be an absolute thievery. Uh, from the from the Titans, they got to be looking at themselves like, what the heck were we thinking? Yeah. Uh, he's only um, you know like uh, number one in yardage, I think, or number two. I mean, he he's battling Jefferson and Diggs as the you know the best receiver in the NFL. That insanely productive. Yeah, insanely productive. Oh, and younger than um, Diggs too. So you know, I mean, the reason I just wanted to point those three out is to show that in this last four games, Fields is playing every bit as good as anybody in the NFL, if not better. Absolutely. I mean, there's nothing but things to be excited about, in my opinion, related to Fields. And I'd love to know what Hurts' numbers looked like during his second year in this four-game stretch. Well, we know that they were definitely not close to this. No. I mean, I watched Hurts a lot last year because the Eagles are on national TV a lot, and I was not impressed. I, going into this year, I was like, you know, they've got a really, really good team, but I don't know if Hertz is going to, you know, be the quarterback to really elevate them to that next level. Now, obviously, I was wrong. He's had a great year. Um, we'll see what the Eagles end up doing. I mean, they, they already they finally lost a game. We'll see what they play like in the second half of the year. They're obviously going to the playoffs. So, like you said, it's just a example to give you a little bit more hope because – it, it, a lot of times I think people have this idea that things always come together for a quarterback in years one and two. It's not always the case. Sometimes no. it takes time, especially when you don't have a lot of talent on your offense, which the Bears don't. So, yeah, I mean, it's interesting comparisons as well because, like you said, I mean, Fields, it, it certainly feels like when you're watching the game that he's producing at an elite level, so... When you do the comparison to Hertz, and I'd love to know what he looks like compared to Mahomes or Allen or the true like ones of ones, right? But I mean, there's just no denying what's happened over the last four games, and it's just really something to be excited about. And um, Tua, oh, he's been unbelievable. Tua has been on ball of sunfire. <laughs> uh, he is. Uh, his numbers are near the top of the league in every category. And thank the Bears defense for a big part, a big part of that. <laughs> but um, I think uh, I think Tour le- uh, leads uh, all quarterbacks in QBR. Yeah, I mean he's just been remarkably efficient. Yeah. So um, so uh, go ahead and move on to the power rankings. Yeah, I like it. I mean, what were the Bears last week? I think they were. 28? Oh, okay. That sounds about right. Okay. 
Isn't that right? I thought it was higher, but it could be right. I, I think know. I think it was twenty eight. Well, uh, so number one, Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. Okay. Oh. In addition to our updated rankings, we checked in with the NFL Nation reporters across the league and asked them for an update on the player or coach they put on the hot seat watch. This is actually pretty pretty interesting in our preseason power rankings. Oh, got it. They actually called it pretty well in, in quite a few spots. Have the seats cooled off in the first half of the season or are they starting to heat up now? So we got the Kansas City Chiefs, their player on the hot seat in the preseason, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. He's been good. Yeah, but they're still measuring the temperature on that seat at hot. The last uh the last few games he's been um he's been pretty bad. Yeah, I think the Chiefs probably regret that draft pick. Yeah, I think so. Uh so uh number uh the number two ranked Philadelphia Eagles. Even with the one loss, they moved from uh one down to two, so they're the number one ranked uh uh team in the NFC. Um, who was on the hot seat? Hurts. You know, that's right, Jalen Hurts. You know that guy that's absolutely terrible. Oh wait, now he's in the MVP conversation. I'd imagine yes. his seat is cool. He was a uh, super hot seat in the preseason. Temperature of the seat right now? Cold. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! It's Minnesota winter cold. So okay. Uh, so of course the. Now, greatest team ever, Minnesota Vikings are number three and at the top of the NFC North. So, um, they moved up from four to three. Player on the hot seat was center Garrett Bradbury. Okay. And his seat, now cold. Uh, They're saying that uh, he uh, he now ranks 17th in pass block uh, win rate. So, um, they'll be looking at number 10 in runs. So the, they're talking about in here. Seifert was talking about that he's going to be a priority free agent signing in the in the off season. He'll he'll be back with Minnesota. He definitely will be. Although so man, the Bears could use a center, but that's besides the point. Now we'll go ahead and drop do 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 because it's going to take us a while to get down to the bottom. <laughs> so the next team on the list is Packers. Yep. Uh, they had to have moved up. A I, bit. You know, I, I, you know, the thing is, is that I, I still think that Chicago is better. I don't care what the rankings say. I think Chicago overall is a better team than the Packers. They at least play with a lot better attitude the than pa- the, Packers. the Packers. Are not good. I know they got. They're this, not good. They got this win against the Cowboys partially because of just idiotic coaching by yeah. Mike McCarthy, but they are they are not good. So they went from twenty four to eighteen. They jumped six spots from that win. Uh, who was on the hot seat in the preseason? Uh, it's one of the wide receivers as a whole. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> David Bactari actually. Yeah, he has just too many injuries yeah, for that guy. Yeah, Temperature of the seat right now, lukewarm. You know, he, he's one of the best when he's actually healthy, but the problem is is that hasn't been a whole lot in the last few years. Uh, and he is due uh, $17.5 million, uh next season. So... Ouch. That could be a Is cut. he playing right now? I, I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> okay. Um, so we drop on down and we get to the Bears. Uh, the Bears at? Uh, 28 last week. I got to be right around there again. 29. Actually, they were, they were 25 last oh, week. Oh, okay. And so 25 this week. All right. They actually stayed neutral. So, I, we, we forgot they moved up the last three weeks, even though they've lost. So they still got them ahead of the Lions? 
Yes, of course, they're still ahead of the Lions. Uh, player on the hot seat? Fields. No. Uh, Eddie Jackson? Eddie Jackson, yes. Temperature of the seat right now? Cold. Whoo, chilly cold. Yeah, he's worked his way back. The Bears have an important decision to make with Jackson, and if they envision him as part of their long-term plans with his $13 million salary next year in 2023... As far as his on-field production, the free safety has made the most of his bounce-back season, and while Chicago's defense has struggled, Jackson has provided leadership and stability in the secondary. Jackson is tied for the second-most interceptions in the NFL with four, has allowed a 73.5 passer rating when targeted, and is the Bears' active leader in tackles with 51. His coverage skills look like how he performed in 2019, and his ability against the run has been overall positive. Yeah, where are you at on Eddie Jackson? I like him. I think uh, I, I've been I've been calling it for years, though, and I I don't care if it sounds like a boast. Um, I've said that he has been a different player ever since Adrian Amos left. We finally get a real great safety in next to him, and what's ha- what happens? He suddenly improves. It's not a coincidence. It's the math, folks. And you know, uh, I think that with uh, I think we should definitely keep this guy. Um, I think he fits in well, well with the team, uh, and um, he seems to have a really good. He is he is leveled up in every way. Mm-hmm. People uh, calling him out for blocking uh, for tackling. I think they're wrong. This year, I've seen him make some big time. He's tackles. been much better tackling. This yeah, year. absolutely. So I think uh, I think that he's found his partner with Brisker there. I think they they should keep him for at least another couple of years. I agree. I the thing with him is like. This was kind of his last chance with the Bears. So, like, you're always a little bit nervous about guys that get a big contract and then don't play well again until they're basically done with that contract. <laughs> so I don't know if I'd give him another big extension, but if, if that's right what you just said and the Bears could have him back at a $13 million option, yeah, um, I'm all for that. I, I don't know if he'll come back for that or if he'd hold out to get a, another contract. I guess that's something that we'll have to see how that develops into the offseason. But I agree. I, I want him back. I think he's been good this year. I think he's been playing his best football since at least 2018. Yeah. So uh, 25, and we go to the lowly kitties. They got to be, what, 26th? 29. That's weird. Two wins in a row. All right. Yeah, they went from 30 to 29. <laughs> it's tough, tough, tough for the Lions. Player on the hot seat? Goff. Oh, Jared Goff sucks, and Jared Goff still sucks, and he's a, he's the temperature of the hot seat right now. Who is it's hot? It's it's really hot right now. Which is weird because he's probably like done enough to earn himself another job somewhere. Well, they say that uh, uh, even though you know they got off to the hot uh, hot start with all the points they were scoring in the four weeks. Uh, they have five straight losses uh, up until you know last week. Um, they, you know they got the back to like you mentioned they got the back to back wins, but um, you know it's uh, you know he's just not good. Um, <laughs> right. You know people can say whatever they want to say. He he had plenty of lousy years with the uh, with the Rams before they dumped him and won a Super Bowl, and uh, you know he's just showing. He's just not that great. Um, he 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 can go ahead and go the Trubisky way and you know be a, a, a backup in the NFL for the next five ten years, yeah. um, and he'll be a very capable backup. Uh, 
I think he'll actually be one of the best backups in the NFL because he's certainly a guy that you could call to come in for a few games. Yeah. But as far as a starter, uh, he's had plenty of chances to be the guy, and he's just not. And it's just like the thing with him is just, like you said, I mean, he, he can put up points, especially when he's got players around him, but do you ever want Jared Goff going into a, a big game? No. no. Yeah, so. Um, so our bottom feeders are the Raiders uh, and the yeah. Texans. Oh. Um, both of them just absolutely awful. Uh, the Texans do have some, you know, some things to look forward to. They they did have a pretty good draft class this year, and they uh, yeah. they they've got a, a load uh, coming for next year. Um, they'll be, you know, obviously they they um, I think they have the uh, it's about fifty percent chance or sixty percent chance now of uh, taking the one. They're pretty. They're they're pretty close to. They're they're pretty close to clinching. Yeah, I mean, they've got one win. I don't know if they're going to get another one. They're just. I, I, think, I don't think I've ever said it that way before. I think they're pretty close to clinching the number one overall. They're just brutal. We'll see if they hang on to Lovey Smith. I I, I hope that he's not one and done down there. Boy, like I, Lovey, yeah, it's I, it's tough down in Texans land. Yeah, and then uh, you know the Raiders. Well, it's interesting too because I uh, just an unmitigated disaster. Yeah, just total disaster. Um, Josh da- uh, Josh McDaniel is looking every bit as awful as he did with the uh, with with the Broncos. Um, Actually, I, I wanted him to. Uh, you know, uh, how does he keep his job? I, I don't. I don't know. Uh, now the thing is, is that um, you know, d- does he go back to being a, a offensive coordinator and be successful at it, or? Was a lot of that just being part of Belichick's staff? Uh, we'll have to look at that further when, uh, when, when in the, down the road. We'll, but. See, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, boy, it was that. I mean, that was a team that I thought could be really good, and they are just brutal. They're just terrible. I mean, so so um, there, there could be a couple of coaches in the AFC that are are one and done because Hackett's not sitting very pretty in Denver. Either. Oh yeah, he's uh, he's not looking he's not looking too uh, too good either. And they're, um, yeah, I know that they've already had, there's been a lot of buzz about him, too. Yeah. So, you know, um, that brings up uh, uh, their quarterback situation. And, um, you know, Russell just looks terrible. Done. I mean, wow. Uh, did um, did uh, Pete Carroll know that? I mean, Carroll does no quarterbacks. I mean, um, yeah. You know, he was the one that recognized him. He was the one that said, "You know what? Um, I, I want him to play. I don't care whether he's a third round pick or not." He and he flourished under Carroll. Uh, is yeah? Is he is he just done? I don't know, but I mean, he certainly doesn't look good. I think he's injured. And boy, you talk about Aaron Rodgers looking like he doesn't want to play. Yeah, Russell Wilson looks like he's walking down the green mile every time he steps on <laughs> the field. I mean, it's. Just he looks miserable out yeah, there. Yeah, he does. I don't know. I mean, they gave him all the money, so yeah, he that. I mean, certainly not a lot of ROI on that so far. And I mean, like you say with Pete Carroll, I mean, everybody made fun of the Seahawks going into the year because they were starting Geno Smith. Geno Smith's like been a legit like MVP candidate. Yeah, he's like, he, I was reading about uh, uh, MVP candidates today and he's uh, outside looking in, I but I mean, he's not going to win, but he's certainly in the conversation. So. I mean, to have a resurgence at 32 like that. Yeah. 
Whoa. It's not, you can't even really call it a resurgence because he never really surged <laughs> in the first place. It's so interesting because, I mean, yeah, it's, I, I was, th- I was talking about this with somebody, it might have even been on this podcast, so if it was, forgive me, but, um, it was like, we, we talk about Matt Nagy and just how, like, bad fields looked last year. I mean, Geno Smith is just a testament to, like, if you get drafted into the wrong situation, it can just derail your career. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Geno Smith was a rookie. I mean, he's been the backup in Seattle, what, four years? Yeah. Like, it's been forever since he was a rookie on the Jets, and everybody thought it was just a complete bust, but he's obviously got talent, and it was just that he got drafted by the Jets, who are just a notoriously dumb franchise. Yep. And then went to the Giants. And who notoriously um, draft terrible quarterbacks. Yeah, exactly. So so how much is it the team and how much is yeah, it the quarterback? It's classic nature versus nurture thing. I mean, that's what you talk about with Mahomes. I mean, Mahomes is obviously the best in the league, but would he have been that if he hadn't have had a year under Andy Reid to just sit there and learn? How about, he, how about instead he got to learn with Matt Nagy? Yeah, Matt Nagy and... Alan Robinson, and <laughs> Andy Dalton, like, and ugh, just makes you makes you sick to your stomach. You're thinking mean, about that. Wow. Thankfully, the Bears at least got rid of all those idiots after one year. Yeah, uh, with, one year with Fields, obviously. Yeah. right? like, think about if they had brought that back, Nagy, and he oh. was still getting that type of. Coaching. It'd have been brutal. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, uh, Fields would be going out on the field looking like the your, the aforementioned. Uh, Number twelve and 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 Russell, right. he he would just look miserable. Yeah. So, yeah, so. And, well, and, and, well. By the way, before we move on, remember uh, wasn't Ryan Pace about to trade for Russell Wilson like two years ago? Oh yeah, that's <laughs> right. And the Seahawks said no. Another another great quarterback evaluation by Ryan they gave, Pace. They they put together a ridiculous deal too, and the, the but the Seahawks were like. Yeah, you're you're kidding, right? Yeah, we're not trading a Pro Bowl quarterback. Another great job by Ryan Pace. But I tell you, um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, that makes you it makes you wonder because um, it's uh, it certainly is a coincidence that Carroll is like okay, and uh, he gets just a ridiculous contract. Well, like, and the thing with Russell Wilson too is like. When he just like all of his former Seahawks teammates just seem to hate him. I mean that that tells you a lot. Yeah, and he's got it does. like Richard Sherman who works for the league, Cam Chancellor, Lynch, like guys that will go on social media and just trash the guy. <laughs> I mean, that that tells you something about a way a quarterback conducts himself. But that's enough on Russell Wilson. It's not a Broncos podcast, right? <laughs> all right. So I just briefly, um, this is going to be real quick. Uh, uh, I just I wanted to throw some names at you today um, on ESPN. The 2023 NFL free agency early top 25 ranking came out. Uh, it was by Matt, uh, Matt Bowen and Mike Tannenbaum, and yeah. we both are Matt Bowen fans. Sure. Um, the number one ranked is Lamar Jackson. Obviously, we're not going to spend any time on him. Yeah. Uh, it will be interesting to see what he goes forward. Number two... Not the Lamar Jackson that's on the Bears right no, now. No, not that Lamar Jackson. <laughs> uh, the one that's a lot more famous and athletic. Uh, Orlando Brown, uh, the tackle from Kansas City, is the number two. Which is interesting because that's a guy that Poles is familiar with. Okay. Yeah, 27 years old, six foot eight, 340 pounds, registered a pass block win rate when blocking for Patrick Mayholmes of 
89.6%. He's good. He's a former, I think he was a first round pick. Yeah. And, you know, that. so that's that's one. Um, Elgin, uh, Elgin uh, Jenkins oh, from the Packers. He's, he's awesome. He's another one, 27 years old. Uh, 2022 salary, $4.7 million. He's going to get a lot more than that. Yeah, it's going to feel like going to be a lot more than that next year. Um, strong uh, in uh, pass blocking as well, 85% this week, this season. Previous season, 93%. So and he can like play anywhere on the line. He can too. play anywhere on the line. Um, uh, you know, uh, dropping down, uh, we have... Um, uh, Jason Hargrave, well, he's a little old, um, but, you know, defensive tackle is something that they'll be looking at. Um, uh, who was the other one on here that I thought was good? Um, I can't find uh, any any other ones that, that I was looking at. There was, I thought there was another one on here that I thought might be interesting um, because I think that one of the things that Bears fans have to look at is we kind of look at it as, oh, well, we need a receiver, we need a receiver, we need a receiver. It was, as you were alluding to earlier, while we do, uh, when it comes to the draft, I think Bears fans need to recognize that Poles isn't going to automatically go to receiver with our top pick. No. Um, because there's a lot of other places we need holes. And personally, I think the biggest hole that needs filled is defensive end. I mean, front seven in general... Is I mean the the Bears have like one of the worst front sevens I've ever seen. Right. It's it's it needs a complete overhaul. I'm not saying that none of the guys that are here right now have any value, but it's probably the biggest priority. I mean, like you said, I mean wide receiver. We all have talked about that a bunch. I don't think the Bears are going to go spend a ton of money to bring in offensive linemen. I could be wrong on that, but I think they're going to try to build that through the draft. I mean, they already drafted like a hundred offensive linemen last year, so. We'll see if maybe any of them are viable options. And, you know, I, I think in general, like, when you have a quarterback as athletic as Fields, you can get by without as strong of a line. I mean, it's got to be a little bit better than it is right now, but I don't think they need to go spend, like, $100 million to fix the offensive line. So, yep. like, where is the money going to go? I think a lot of it will go to the defense. And I don't think they're going to try to build the monsters in the midway because you can't anymore. But if the Bears are going to do anything – then the defense has to be a lot better than it is right now. Well, and, you know, so there's uh, here's three players I also thought were interesting. Jacoby Myers. Um, I don't think probably he will. I think, uh, you know, the big move will still be a, a higher pick on a receiver rather than bringing in a veteran. Um, guard Nate Davis from the Tennessee Titans, uh, age entering 2023, 26 years old, six foot three, 316 pounds, has a pass rush win rate of 91.9, and has allowed just four pressures. So that is a guy that we could be looking at. I don't know if they're going to spend it guard. I mean, I feel like... Uh, well, they need help all along the line. So his already- 2022 salary is $3 million. So, I mean, this is a guy that will be... Looking for a giant jump and could be could be a, a target. I think that they're set at guard. I, I think they're going to bring back Whitehair and Jenkins. Well, so you got to remember, Whitehair is getting He's a little long in tooth. Thirty, yeah. And um, now Jenkins, 
Uh, I, I certainly hope they do keep Jenkins. I think he's looked great. Yeah. And um, I hope he... that What we don't know is exactly what uh, Poles and the coaching staff feel about him. Because it's still... I don't know about you, but I don't feel like he's solidified his spot because of that whole swapping in and out thing. Right. Why did they do it with his spot, you know, um, if they were, were going to swap, you know? So, I don't know. We'll have to see how that goes. Um, I think uh, it'll be interesting to see how quickly he comes back from the injury. Um, how much does that play into it? We don't know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he might... We don't know how bad the injury is. I think if they're going to invest in the line, I think it's going to be a tackle. I mean, Braxton Jones has been okay, um, but they need a, another tackle, whether it's on the right or the left side. And they need a center, too. I mean, they brought in Lucas Patrick. That's been basically a zero. Maybe he can make his way back and contribute uh, in the last few games here. But center is, has just been a position that has not been strong for the Bears in, in several years. I mean, right. they've rotated a bunch of guys in. They've had Whitehair in there. They had James Daniels. They've had Mustafer. They've had Patrick. I think I'm forgetting. I don't think any of them have really shined. No. I don't think anybody's been in that spot that shined since Kruitz. No. I mean, yeah, if Kruitz or Garza. Garza, yeah. Excuse me, Garza. But, I mean, they, Garza so, did great there. So we'll we'll see what they do about but that. Was, that. that was quite a while ago. Yeah, exactly. That was a long time ago. So I think that's going to be a position of priority. I think tackle, you want to upgrade there. But I don't know if they're going to go out and spend a bunch of big money or if they're going to draft at those positions. I mean, that's what's going to be so fascinating about this offseason is that there's so many areas that need upgrading. It's going to be really interesting to see what they prioritize. Yeah, and, and, you know, um, I think we've touched on all of the position areas. It will All of those, I think, will get attacked by him. Um, I think offensive line, I think receiver, I think, you know, the front four, uh, certainly because they want a better three technique. Um, However, we didn't call out Justin Jones this week. Justin Jones did have a really good game this week. I think Jones has solidified a spot with the team. Yeah, he might not be the elite guy that we need, but he could certainly be the off tackle. Be like a rotational player. Yeah. And I Uh, I think Watts has been okay, too. Um, neither neither are great. I no, don't, I don't think either are like. I uh, think Jones though has shined the most. He's been all right. I haven't. I mean, he, he's he's not been bad. He's been around, but mm-hmm. he hasn't made like the impact plays that you need from your your three technique. He did get a two year deal though, so yeah. I think he will. Be I back. thought it was a two year deal. Yeah. Everybody was telling me the other day it was one. I thought it was one too. Wikipedia says two. That could be wrong. But. <laughs> okay, so on to the roundup. Okay, so uh, let's go ahead and start with uh, cheese birds, and um, those are birds covered in cheese. Uh, I, haven't heard, I haven't heard that one. I haven't heard that one either. So uh, anyway. <laughs> Uh, let's. Uh, that's uh, Green Bay, uh, Tennessee at Green Bay. What do you What do you What do you got there? Uh, I I really like the Packers this week. Unfortunately, I I mean going into the year, I was I didn't think Tennessee was very good. I kind of still don't think they're very good, even though they do have a good record. Um, Vrabel's obviously a great coach. He's always going to get the most out of his roster, but. Yep. This is a tough spot for them. They're really banged up. It's kind of like a meaningless game for them, too. They've already got their division locked up. I mean, they're, they're 
they have a good record right now, but I don't think anybody thinks they're going to be like the one seed in the AFC. So no. The Packers are going to be desperate here. I mean, anything can happen on Thursday Night Football, but the Titans, I kind of feel like, might not even like show up to this game, and they might just kind of like try to get themselves right from an injury standpoint. Like The Packers need this one, so I think the Packers are going to win, and then they've got to go play the Eagles. So, so good, good luck um, to them on that. The matchup predictor, 57% for the uh, for the Packers, 40 versus 42 for the um, for the Titans. And the uh, looks like it's a three-and-a-half uh, uh, Green Bay by three-and-a-half. Um, so, yeah, I got to agree. It looks like it's probably be a Packers win. Christian Watson coming out party last weekend. Um, is that you think uh, that continues this week? Yeah, well, maybe not this week because like nobody ever looks good on Thursday night. But I, I, I think he looked legit, and I think Rogers probably trusts him again after he served his banishment for dropping that touchdown. <laughs> and honestly, like Bears fans too. Like honestly, I feel like it's probably better that the Packers win some games here because I don't know about you. I did, I had no interest in seeing the Packers picking in the top five. And yeah, draft, drafting a quarterback. Absolutely. So like they're, I mean, they're technically still in it, but they're like kind of out of it already. Like they're not gonna come back from the slow start they had. I don't think unless they like run the table. Right. So if they want to win some games and be picking in the you know mid first round and you know all the elite quarterback prospects are off the board, I'm not gonna complain about that. So go out and beat the Titans. Yeah. So um, Vikings uh, at home versus versus Cowboys. That's a pre- pretty big game. I mean, the Vikings keep having, yeah, I mean, this is the game of the week for sure. I mean, the Vikings just keep having kind of that horseshoe up their ass. Yep. Um, obviously, congrats. I mean, they beat the Bills. Um, obviously, we know the great Jefferson catch. We know the fumble that was kind of just that really random play that actually gave them the win. But Josh Allen threw two picks, not very Josh Allen. And Josh Allen's, like, not healthy. I mean, yeah. he's lost two in a row. I mean, give them credit. They hung around in Buffalo. It's not easy to do. It was do. a huge win. Yeah. I mean, this week against the Cowboys up here, big game for both teams, really, because the Cowboys don't want to lose two in a row. And, by the way, with the Eagles losing, that means the Cowboys are still, I guess, technically alive to win that division. So, right. Uh, game of the week, um, I think the Cowboys are better than the Vikings, but the Vikings just keep finding a way, and... I'll never be too confident about the Cowboys with Mike McCarthy. So, right. I don't know. We'll see. I don't really have a strong feeling on this one, to be honest with you. And I think Vegas has it at basically a pick em, So, Well, so the matchup predictor has uh, Dallas 57 versus uh, Minnesota 42. Um, Dallas, uh, the spread is Dallas by one and a half. So basically a pick em. I mean, da- um, Dallas should be able to run all over the Vikings. But uh, I'm with you. Um Minnesota has the has the football gods shining on them right now. Uh, they pretty much seem to be able to do no wrong, um, and they have the best receiver in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, he he showed last week. Just put the ball anywhere in my revo- remote vicinity. Uh, all you have to do is be in the same area code, and I will catch it. Yeah. So. Um, that bails uh, Cousins out of the mediocre, the mediocrity that he is, and uh, is enough to, because um, I mean Dallas, uh, you know, the Bears uh, were scoring some touchdowns on yeah. them. So well, and you, you can never count out with the Cowboys Parsons either. I mean, when you've got a quarterback like Cousins that 
it's kind of a statue back there. Like Parsons can wreck the game too. Oh so. yeah, they're going to be doing everything they can to to chip that guy. I mean, I'm excited to watch this one. This is a three o'clock game, right? Uh, yes. Yes, yeah, so it's on after the Bears game. Yep. Might hang around the bar and watch the first half of that one because it's definitely going to be uh, another big test for the Vikings. I mean, so far they passed their first big test, which was winning at Buffalo, and I mean the Cowboys are still really good, so it'll be a, a, a fun one to watch and another good measuring stick game for the Vikings. And then finally, um, you know, Bears and Falcons. Uh, <laughs> skipping the Lions. I, I'm all for skipping the Lions. Oh yeah, I forgot about them. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Who are they playing? They play again? the Giants. Oh yeah, that's right. So uh, we will stop there real quick. Um, well, what do you got to say about them? Uh, the Giants, kind of another team. I mean, I think the Giants still stink, but they're seven and two. So yeah, I think this is just a real simple one. I think the Giants are a team that finds ways to snatch victory from the jaws of defeat, and the Lions are typically a team that finds a way to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. So I think I, think I just it's, think it comes down to the fact that the Lions won't have an answer for Saquon Barkley, who is simply playing outstanding this year. Yeah, and the, and. Dan Campbell still the coach of the Lions. So I, <laughs> I like the Giants. That's all I have to say. About yeah. That. So matchup predictor has uh, Giants uh, sixty-seven, Lions thirty-two, and it's Giants by three. I, I think I think that one is uh, uh, is definitely going to. Okay. So now we're going back to the Bears, and uh, I I, uh, I do like the Bears uh, actually even on the road uh, to win this game. Um, I think that uh, even though. Uh, you know, I'd rather them keep losing simply because we are in the driver's seat to have a top 10 pick. Yeah. When we're watching the game, we're cheering just as loud as everybody else, and we want to see them win. I would have loved to have seen us win that game against the Lions last week. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, there is a, a flip side of it that it is helping us out in the draft. Yeah, I mean, the Falcons, they're they are feisty. Um, they're not as bad as I think a lot of people thought they were going to be. They're not good. But they found a way to hang around in some games, particularly when they're at home. Uh, they have probably the worst defense in the league other than the Bears. So two terrible defenses. The Falcons, you know, despite not having a great quarterback, they found a way to put up points. So I, th- I think this will be a pretty similar game to last week, honestly, where yep. I think both teams are going to score, and it's just going to come down to turnovers and officiating luck. And, you know, it could kind of go either way. Uh, I think the Bears are three-point underdogs. Okay, you're going to get stabbed in both eyes. So you got to make the choice. Okay. Marcus Mariota or Jared Goff? Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> man. That is a tough Can one. I just choose stabbed in the eyes? Yeah. <laughs> probably, probably Goff. I don't know. At least Goff's like gone to a Super Bowl. Yeah, I guess, I, I guess right. Were I they number one and number two in the same draft? I think they oh, were. Gosh, that's awful. <laughs> um, I think they were. Mariota, I mean... Oh, wait. Were they in the same draft? They might have. It might have been Wentz I think, and Mariota. I, yeah, it was Wentz and... Uh, oh, no. It was, it was Wentz it and was, Goff. It was, yeah, and it was Winston and Mariota. Yes! That's oh, right. gosh. Talk about just brutal. But anyway... Um, we have Justin Fields. I actually kind of think the Bears... I mean, I think this is closer to a pick honestly. Like, I don't, I don't know what... I don't know what kind of home field advantage the Falcons Atlanta by three have. and a half. Wow, okay. I mean, And, get this, the matchup predictor has 
Atlanta, 68.9%. So 69 versus a 31 for the Bears. I, I, I mean, really don't think that that's accurate. I mean, and everybody's like last memory of Atlanta was like Thursday Night Football where they just looked awful. But Thursday Night Football is not always a great representation of where your team's at. I don't know. I think this game's about as close to 50-50 as you can get. I mean, yeah. I'd actually think that the Bears have maybe even a slight edge because you know the Bears are going to get to 30 you know the Falcons. If if Mariota has kind of maybe maybe the maybe, maybe like the the blossoms off the rose with that a little bit. Maybe the offense is regressing. I mean, can the Falcons get to thirty in this game? I guess we'll see. I don't know. So it'll be a it'll be a fun one to watch. I think. I think there's gonna be a lot of points scored. Yeah, and uh, looking at this, I'm reminded that Khalil Herbert went on uh, into reserve. That was a real bummer. I really feel for that guy. Love him as a player, and uh, hope he you know gets back quickly. Um, but uh, so what we see uh, Montgomery, and it, we should see a pretty nice dose of Tristan um, Ebner. Ebner. So we'll really get a picture of what he uh, what he can do. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, running backs are going to get hurt, and right? Is you know the, the way I kind of view running backs are kind of like pitchers in baseball. It's like. You know, I feel like you've only got, like, a certain number of, like, hits that you take throughout a career, so if you're not wasting those on a team that's not going to the playoffs, then I just, you know, get get ready for next year, because I think Khalil Herbert's going to be a big part of the offense. Well, uh, come join us over at Allery's uh, this weekend, if you can. Uh, noon game uh, uh, be, uh, be should be a pretty good group. Um, I don't think the game will be on TV. Not that I'm aware of. Yeah, so it's a good time to get out and, uh, and join us. Uh, I think Bears win this week. I think I think it'll be close. Yeah, I think they've got a they got a shot for sure. The Falcons are good. Thanks for joining us. Bear down. Bear down.